Hi there, Zoshi here. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. David Janae from Survivors on the show today. Before we get to that, I've got to pay the people that help me make this show. Andy, my audio producer, and Rachel, my show producer. So depending on where you listen to this, you're either about to hear a commercial or you're about to hear David say something profound about the meaning of everything on Survivor. And then you'll hear the theme song. You ready? Here we go. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everything becomes something. These yeah. little social interactions we have with human beings that you wouldn't think twice about become something on the island because you're kind of like, oh, Osha's looking at me in that way. Does that mean something? You start basically analysing people, every single thing they're doing, whether it's just an innocent conversation, a look, the way they touch someone's arm, just everything becomes something. But that is also a tool at your disposal to try and give people something that maybe you want to pretend like you're closer with someone than you are or, you know, so it's all these nuances that you just take for granted that you would never take notice of in your everyday life that become massive, massive deals when you're playing Survivor. That is international supermodel and Australian Survivor legend David Janay. And this is episode 323 of Better Than Yesterday. Hello and welcome to Better Than Yesterday. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Osher Ginsberg. Thank you for being a part of today's episode. If you don't know who I am, I'm a TV guy from Sydney, Australia. I also uh, wrote a book and I've been making this podcast since 2013, every Monday and Friday. That sound in the background is the rain. The beautiful rain continues here in Sydney. Looks a little like a typhoon. Looks like a low pressure system that doesn't really belong in this part of the world, but hey, We'll get to the water conversation in just a minute. So yeah, thank you so much for listening to the show and I, I'm really, really grateful you're here. 
this is the first week that I'm doing uh, two versions of the show. So um, if you want to listen to a shorter version of this, which is just a couple of greatest hits moments, there's one there for you. But otherwise, um, thanks for listening to the long version of the show. Thanks heaps to everyone that did rate and review the show through the week. That makes a massive difference to us. That And when you recommend the show to somebody, uh, Chris wrote in, my week's not complete without my fix of Osher. The Blind Boy podcast was just brilliant. Thanks, Osher. You make your podcast make my week. Thank you so very much for that beautiful, beautiful, delicious review. Um, you can review in the iTunes store. It really does help us here at the show. It helps more people find out about the show. It helps us get guests that are equal to, if not greater than, the guests you've already heard on this show. Thanks to everyone that did email through the week. Send Osher email at gmail.com. I'd love to see where you're listening to the show. This one came in from Jay. Thanks for your check-in episode of the podcast this week. That's the episodes that are on a Friday. I just listened to it on a walk close to home, somehow came back in tears and feeling positive at the same time. On the surface, I'm successful at work, good fun, full of laughter and outwardly positive. In my heart, I'm lonely, drink too much and think I'm not good enough to find a partner. Whilst our situations are not remotely similar, I still find inspiration and a hope in the things you share. So thank you for being so bold. Your podcast helps me sort out my problems in the areas I can ask for help in, which dudes a valuable public service. Jay, that's super cool of you. Thank you so much. And I certainly hope you're taking control of the things you can in that situation. And um, those things that you feel in your heart, that's just a story. We can rewrite those stories. We re rewrite them by starting to do things that don't fit with that story. And then after a while, the things we do become our story. It's an easy trick. We can play on ourselves. It works. Thanks as well to Craig, who said, I love looking at what you're looking at. Uh, when you're listening to this show. So please do send me a photo. Craig sent me that I'm listening to the episode of Blind Boy while playing with the new puppy, Bailey, we just bought today. Both are good for my mental health. Very cute puppy there. Having a bit of a trouble with our dogs at the moment. Frank is just barking at everything. We just moved house, so he's just still getting used to every. We've got possums that come and visit. There's a, there's a uh, little deck off the back of the house that is at the same level as a bottle brush. And we'll often just get a possum just sitting in there at nighttime and Frank loses his shit. It's often while the baby's asleep. And Abby, who I worked with, used to warn me that when you had a baby, your dogs just become dogs. And she was right. Trying, man. We're trying real hard to get Frank on board. This one came in from Nat, which is a good one. A recent convert to your podcast after a friend highly recommended it. Thank you to you and your friend. Can't thank you enough for making my Mondays and Fridays so amazing. I suffered from anxiety for a number of years. I love the way you're so open about it as I try to be. I put the two-minute rule into play and it's been transforming my life. Your passion about the environment is commendable. I can't wait to see on Q&A on Monday. You will smash it. I told one of my gorgeous friends about your podcast, as I know it will really help with her anxiety about the environment by listening to the way you try to manage it. She has a child around the same age as Wolfgang. I know she'll benefit from listening. Thank you, Nat. Thank you so very much. Yeah, I'm just on that. I'm going on Q&A on Monday. So if you're listening to this in five years, you know how it turned out. Uh, Q&A is a kind of a panel show in Australia with uh, a couple of people of, uh, I guess, I don't know, differing opinions on things, on the various spectrum of opinion you can have on things sitting on a panel. And I am a panelist on Q&A on Monday. It's a very prestigious honor to be asked to be on this show, to, that I have something of value to contribute to the conversation. The conversation is about climate solutions, climate anxiety, and, and maybe there's going to be some talk about being vegan in there. I've been doing some very, very heavy lifting to make sure that I'm up to speed when I go on the show and I'm, I've been discovering some really interesting things and um, this may help you, uh, your friend Nat, but despite what our federal government says, despite our holidaying in Hawaii prime minister, every state and territory in Australia has committed to net zero emissions by 2050. Even though our federal government 
has done nothing of the sort. The states are just going, this is what we're doing and they're getting on with it. And not enough people know that. And the more I research into it, the more I look at it, the more I see our federal government, both any major political party really, just are really out of touch with the will of the people. A recent survey found that 63% of Australians recognise that swift and decisive and impactful action needs to be taken immediately on climate change, including a majority of coalition voters. So how come coalition policies don't reflect the desires of, of the people? If you're from overseas, our, co our majority government here is formed by a coalition between the right wing and the right wing <laughs> parties and their voters, the majority of their voters go, yeah, we should do something. But their policies don't reflect that. And that kind of blows my mind because you're talking about major political parties who are just more and more just pushing themselves into irre irrelevance. And um, I don't know, they seem to always act in self-interest and this kind of conflicts with that. So I'm kind of confused as to why they would do such a thing. It is very interesting once you dig into it, when you start to look at the coal-fired power stations in our country, which do provide a huge amount of our electricity at the moment. But in 15 years, they're, they're really coming to the end of their lifespans. They're on crutches with kind of, they're like when you watch the, the Masters games at um, the Sevens, when they run out people from the Wallabies and the All Blacks from 1991 and everyone's covered in plaster and, and elastoplaster and, and knee braces and shoulder braces and headgear. They're kind of being held together by gaff tape. And these things are going to need to be replaced. And the fact is that when it comes time to replace those power stations, it will be cheaper to replace them with renewable generation. Cheaper. That is the plain truth. How are you going to convince the people of Australia that you need to spend their money on obsolete technology? It blows my mind. So there's these decisions that are kind of already being made for us. There's a lot of people who are doing very, very hard work and without any federal government help. Companies like Sonnen, a German company that manufacture their batteries brilliantly in the old Holden manufacturing plant down in Elizabeth in South Australia. And their batteries, you know, that big Tesla battery in South Australia, massive one, made the news a couple of years back. Still helps a lot of Australia get over the very hot day peak load times, balancing out the grid. So Sonnen do a thing where you get one of their batteries and say if there's a thousand houses that have their batteries, those batteries absorb extra energy from the grid when it's generating high and put it back into the grid when the demand's high. And it does that without you even noticing. It kind of acts as a ballast, if you will. And also companies like Amber Electric, who do extraordinary works. They're kind of like the Netflix for power, really. They charge you a flat monthly fee of 10 bucks. And then they sell you the power at exactly the wholesale rate that they get it at. It's pretty bananas. The idea being that you would then use the power when it's cheapest in the middle of the day when the renewables are firing on all cylinders. That's a terrible analogy because it's not an internal combustion engine. When the renewables are firing on every fuel cell, there you go, and therefore push the demand for renewables up, so therefore push people into wanting to use more renewables. And just, you know, when it comes to water, I've been looking into water a bit. Like I said, there's a huge low pressure system hitting Sydney right now. Big, big waves coming in. And I don't know, it's going to... I'm grateful I don't live in Coleroy right now. So I found that the, the rule of thumb when it comes to water on your roof, one millimetre of rain on one square metre of roof is one litre of water that you can save. We've got a 75 square metre roof here. Today, getting 130 something mils of rain. So that's 9,970 litres in one day. In a few weeks now, I'll air the interview. I just did an interview with Scott Harrison from Charity Water who reckons that 
if you're going to take a country that does not have access to clean water, where they start to have a massive socioeconomic impact is when they can provide 20 litres per person per day for washing, cooking, cleaning and drinking. 20 litres per person per day is enough to change a country. 9,970 litres in our house on this one day, our house of four people, that's 120 days where we wouldn't have to draw water from the dam. You know, the solution's right there. They're in front of us. It's not like we have to wait for cold fusion to be invented. There are a lot of people working very, very hard and the future they're working towards is one of abundance. Abundance, all right? Because what we're faced with right now, we're faced with essentially like it's Pearl Harbor and Port Arthur at the same time. It's the opportunity to engage with the world and align our economy with the the world on a a truly global cause for good, for the good of all of us and fundamentally shift a way of our life because it is the morally right thing to do like we did in Port Arthur. And if we don't do it, we're we're truly, we're, we're sending our kids over the, over the top at Gallipoli. But, you know, we need leadership for that to happen. And I was thinking about this, you know, what's good leadership look like? Good leadership looks like if, if you're all packed on holidays and you're heading to the Gold Coast for your big family holiday, right? And you miss the exit, you start to freak out a bit. You're like, hang on, the exit said that way. All right, what, what are we going to do? Well, we've got everything packed. We're here for a holiday. What, what's down the end of this highway? It's, I've got my floaties here. Is there, is there a beach where we're going? What are we doing? All right. And mum goes, don't worry, I've got this. Hits recalibrate on the GPS. Mum says, it's cool, we'll get there. We're still going on holidays. We won't be driving past SeaWorld to get there. We won't look at the roller coasters, but we'll still, there's still a beach, we'll be fine. All right, you want someone to say they got this. You want someone to say, it's cool. We're still going where we're all going. We're going a slightly different way, but it's gonna be great. We're still gonna go on holidays. And that's really important. You just wanna know that someone's got this, right? Which we haven't got at the moment. But I'm promising you, people have this, people have it. We just, you just aren't hearing about it. And that makes everyone in the back of the car go, oh, cool, we're still going on a break, sweet. Right now, our country doesn't have that, so we're kind of on edge. You know, when I think about the water here and I think about what kind of a water tank we get in the house and what kind of solar we could put on our roof, you look at other places that our country invests in, in the future. For example, HEX is an investment in our future. You know, going to university is expensive but we allow people who go to university to offset it over the years and they start paying it back as they earn back from, you know, the degree that they've got through that studying program. We could do the same thing with the solar and and saving water, either grey water or harvesting rainwater and, you know, just pay back the cost of the water tank and the solar and the batteries over the savings that happen over the years. I mean, it's totally a no-brainer because right now as Australians using coal, you know, really... (laughs) <laughs> we're essentially trying to sell the world the Nokia 3210, believing that no one would ever want anything but a GSM phone. But iPhones are the renewables. <laughs> and we still just can't conceive that the world just doesn't want to be stuck playing snake for the rest of its life. And once they figure out how fun and how many things they can do, once they can swipe left and right, man, we're going to be left holding the bag. Our economy's over quicker than you can say, do 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 All right? We've been on this coal party for so long. We really have. But 
the industrial revolution that's that was the party it was the coal party and we had all the right things to wear for the coal party but the thing is the electrification that we will do as we get towards net zero and beyond ridiculously we've fallen on our feet backwards down the stairs but we're there because we've got all the nickel cobalt lithium and copper that we need to make the batteries that we'll need for the electrification and we're we're there man you know be nice if we did some sort of like sovereign wealth fund like they do in Norway to, you know, make sure that the profits that we make from this new mining boom, which will absolutely be upon us before we know it, stay in this country. And, you know, if we use that sovereign wealth fund to kind of, you know, provide a security and an infrastructure and a, absorb whatever economic shocks there may be over the next, you know, a couple of hundred years as we adapt to climate change. That would be a decisive leadership move, whoever makes that move. So things like that would be good. But this is, you know, these are all positive things. Like we are so well equipped in this country to deal with, tackle and, and benefit from the move towards um, net zero emissions. And, you know, what are the things we can do with that free energy and that abundance of free or near free energy and renewable energy, the manufacturing that we can continue in this country, the, you know, we've, goodness me, we've got all the resources. Maybe the Minerals Council needs to make the T-shirt, don't dig here, dig there, and just like, don't dig there where the coal is, dig over there where the other stuff is. Like, really? It's all there for us. We just need someone at the top who can hit, the, you know, pull the trigger. Anyway, if you make it to the show, I don't know if you can say hi, but be nice. See ya. So let me tell you about my guest today. While the rain falls all around us, David Janay is an Australian model based in Brooklyn, New York City. You can find him on Instagram, David, G-E-N-A-T. For nearly 20 years, he's graced magazine covers, editorials, billboards, TV campaigns. In the last few years, he's come to the attention of Australians as a contestant on Australian Survivor. He's a father of three kids. He's on the current season of Survivor All-Stars, which airs on Network 10, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday nights. And if you know me, you know that I love me some Survivor. I think it's, honestly, I think it's mandatory viewing for anyone who'd like to figure out more about how the world works how people manipulate others to get what they want because you what you see on that show is really it's what you see every day and just because of the way I grew up I'm someone who sometimes has trouble knowing when people are happy or sad or amused or upset by something that I've done or said and um, it's been a bit tricky in my life but I find watching Survivor invaluable to kind of learn from and then observe human reactions and oh right okay helps me a lot each show really is a masterclass of human interaction. And David is one of the biggest players in the game. He's extraordinarily good at it. As far as I'm concerned, it's the best game that humans have ever really invented to play. It's very, very good. David and I caught up a few days ago at Network 10 HQ and sitting across from the incredible handsomeness, power and charm of David Janay is exactly what you think it is. You can barely not look at him. Sometimes you can't look at him because he's too good looking. Um, you can find David on Instagram, D-A-V-I-D-G-E-N-A-T. Let him know you heard him here and enjoy the show with David Janay. David, good morning. How are you? I'm great. I'm so happy to... Have you seen apps? Have you, you... I haven't seen anything. Oh, man. I haven't seen a thing. It's good. I know I have to say that, but it's, it's good. No, look, I'm sure it's good and we'll get to that. <laughs> but I am a, I'm a very, very big fan of the show. Great, great. I, as someone who pays his mortgage through reality television. Yes. I personally think it's probably the 
cleverest game that humans have ever come up with. Yeah. And I don't know if you'd agree with this, but from the outside it looks like you need all the diplomacy skills of a climate conference. You need all of the, the kindness and charm of a, of a top-level diplomat. It's the hardest CrossFit mm. class you've ever had to do yeah. all day, every day. <laughs> And it's like camping with Bear grills for 55 straight days when Bear's got all the gear and you're just outside his bitty, you know, <laughs> yeah. can I have some of that elephant dung water, please, Bear? Yeah, yeah. Every single day. Yeah. And you've got to keep that up the whole time. And it's, it's similarly like what we were talking about with Bachelor before. It's once you have all those things in there, that's when the interesting personality stuff Yeah, it starts. strips you down. Yes. It strips you down. Can you keep up those walls, those veneers? When did you, you first see the show? I had actually watched the original American season pretty much around the time I moved to the States. So I've been living in New York about 17 years now and it just was kind of hitting pretty big around that time. And so, I, you know, it was on my radar. Yeah. And then on season two, a friend of mine played. So Sarah Talik. Oh, season two Australia. Season two Australia. Uh-huh. Sarah, I know very well through uh, model work. Uh, was on and I had uh, spoken with her. We were working together pretty much, I'd say like maybe a month out uh, after she left the show and she was just like going on about how amazing the experience was, it was like changed her life and all that kind of stuff and then, yeah, I just, it just piqued my curiosity. We have the same age and then bingo, bango, there I was. When you were just watching it as a fan, what did you like about it, the American one particularly? I think... Like you, you kind of mentioned before, it really is just such an intense game and like... You get on the outside world, like in my in my line of work, being able to I hate that term charm. It sounds so cheesy, but being able to kind of charm people is an important part of the business. You need to be able to go into a room, talk to a client, and, and get them to like you immediately. If you're just a face, uh, shoulders, abs, all that kind of stuff, it doesn't really mean as much. Like yeah, there are people that get booked purely on the way they look, but it's the relationships. Nobody just, wants dead shark eyes selling their jackets. David. They, they don't. They don't want dead shark eyes. I mean, it happens. You know, it does jet happen. Lag, jet lag's a problem. Well, it does. But, it, it does. But people may not kind of get that that's what when as a someone who's in front of the camera and modeling you know what could be a multi 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 million dollar say for example guest jeans campaign you can't have the person look like oh man they fucked up my coffee this morning <laughs> the person True. the person's eyes have to go i put on these jeans and now i own the world and exactly. you have to that's only in the eyes you can have all the abs you want but that's only in the eyes and it's part of that conversation that you have with the photographer that helps that come across exactly and I I always found those nuances of those interactions like and I've been doing that for so long going into rooms and cold introductions and trying to be likable and I like the watching Survivor I just just the social game just stood out to me and I was like man I wonder what that would be like to experience that in that environment where you don't have those same kind Mm. of tools at your disposal and you know you're not eating you're not sleeping it kind of changes things up did you have a favourite American season? I really love the first season of All Stars, this, the American version, because I'm a huge Boston Rob fan, obviously. I love the way he played the game and I just, yeah, I, I, I really loved watching that that first All Stars season. Was was one that kind of like stood out in my mind. I was like, this is insane. Like, what are these guys doing, you know? As your time uh, in the international modelling scene in New York City, did you ever yeah. bump into any Survivor contestants? I, I never did, what? actually. Yeah, surprisingly. I never ran into anyone. I mean, maybe I did and I just cause wasn't yeah. cognizant. There's there's got to so be like 400 seasons. of them by now. Yeah, there's literally 400 seasons. But no, I didn't actually, funnily enough. And now I'm kind of seeing people everywhere. It's, it's bizarre. Oh, 
Yeah. Right, is there some sort of secret secret club? You get a ring there's or something. A, there's a secret club, yeah. I bet there's Once a WhatsApp chat. There's, there's there's plenty of WhatsApp chat. There's definitely a lot of WhatsApp groups going on at the moment, <laughs> especially as we're like leading into launch. It's quite active. Oh, no doubt. Because I certainly know, like with all the bachelor people, there's there's heaps of group chats. Uh, yeah. So it's just you know. Well, just, people need to unpack. It's traumatic. Because you can't talk about it with anybody else. No, you can't talk about it with anyone else. And and to be honest, like unless you've been there and played the game, it's kind of hard to. Uh, understand what people are talking about yeah, or re- relate to that experience because it is something you have to experience to be able to be like, oh, I know what that's like. Mm. Um, and you really only see a fraction of what's going on on the beach. You know, it's like uh, they condense down, what is an episode, 90 minutes? That's probably like 48 hours of time has passed where you have spent all that time with these people, starving, not sleeping, trying to figure out puzzles, doing physical challenges, trying to not get stabbed in the back, trying to get somebody else stabbed in the back. It's... It's complex. Is it like from the moment you wake up underneath your leak, you lean to, <laughs> is it kind of action stations alert for micro expressions for who's looking at who, who's walking off with? Is like, are you alert from the moment you open your eyes? Yeah. Everything becomes something. These yeah. little social interactions we have with human beings that you wouldn't think twice about become something on the island because you're kind of like, oh, uh, Osha's looking at me in that way. Does that mean something? You start basically analysing people, every single thing they're doing, whether it's just an innocent conversation, a look, the way they touch someone's arm, just everything becomes something. But that is also a tool at your disposal to try and give people something that maybe you want to pretend like you're closer with someone than you are or, you know, so it's all these nuances that you just take for granted that you would never take notice of in your everyday life that become massive, massive deals when you're playing Survivor. For example, if you're the one serving the beans out of the pot and you go out of your way to make sure that one particular person gets served first or second every yeah. time. I mean, that that becomes huge. Yeah. Like the, the food, the, the central food source is a massive point of contention. That's something I don't want to be a part of at all. I'm scared of the kitchen. Yeah. Because it really is like something, anything that you can give people to kind of complain about or maybe notice that, like you said, an extra scoop, do you get a little bit more beans or are they eating a little too much food? Or just like, yeah. it's, it's so divisive. Whenever I watch uh, the Australian one, yeah, I'm like, why are they all complaining about rice and beans? That is literally all I eat. <laughs> yeah. As I'm, I'm a vegan celiac, that's all I eat. You're like, what... that's my life. Yeah, yeah. and coconuts. <laughs> I'm in. Oh, good to go. <laughs> Hit me. When are you playing, brother? There you go. That's yeah, it. yeah. Oh, well, you shoot at the same time that Bachelor's on, but... Maybe we can switch. The moment, maybe. <laughs> the moment that... I'm sure people have said you're Bachelor 2020 by now. <laughs> um, the moment that we're not shooting Bachelor... If Survivor's still on, I am 100% going to do it. But I'll, but I'll, I'll have to have a hip replacement, so I don't know how we're going all the super wrestling bits. Yeah. Um, well, that, I mean, that's the other thing is that if that is your jam, and this is what's great about Survivor, if you are a physical person, there's a place for you there. But if you're not, there's still a place for you. Maybe it's good that you're not right. that super physical, you know? Become a bit of less of a threat when it gets closer to the merge. Maybe. Well... Depends if I push the hip replacement, then I mean, it's toast anyway. I've got to get it redone. Yeah. So maybe I could do it and then just sacrifice just my sacrifice. Hip joint. Yeah. <laughs> All for the game, for well, the love of the game. I think for to, to watch you play was, you know, for anyone that's a, a fan of the show, I mean, I became first aware of the show when 
James, who I used to work with, and another bloke we work with in TV called Digby, they'd just be swapping DVDs that they had, uh, shall we say, acquired over the internet <laughs> uh, of American uh, seasons. They couldn't stop talking about this show. I'm like, what? It's a show about people camping. What do you mean? What? <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't until much later I was like, oh, right, this is it. This is, yeah. and so I've since dived back into a lot of the American stuff. And to watch you play the fake idol move yeah. uh, on the Australian version was like, there's a man who's, you know, watched some who's American watched some American Survivor. <laughs> and to see that it played out, you know, that was just such balls to do that. But also to kind of... I don't know how much longer to be able to do stuff like that in the Australian version because I think by now if you're going in the Australian version, you'd be like, all right, homework time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, you do. You do. And, and I think um, I, I did consume a lot of seasons once I knew I was going in and watching David play from, was it Gen X Millennials he was on? And there was a lot of like idol play in there, like fake idol. And I just thought that was amazing. Mm. Like how exciting, how interesting. And going into the season I was on, the Champs Contenders, I just, that was right on my mind. I was like, I have to figure out some way to play some kind of fake idol because those were the kind of moves watching the show myself that, you know, you wanted to replicate. And yeah, once that kind of experience popped up for me I was like I'm going for it so what else did you do the first time you went in what else did you do to, pr- to prepare were you like the Janine Ellis call it SAS guy and, and <laughs> let's just go on a boot camp for three weeks not so much I, I, I really just was trying to be more f- like physically fit and ready for it you know I thought I'm Australian I can handle the outdoors you know, I wasn't quite prepared for what it really did take in terms of like, you know, starting fire and all that kind of stuff. But I thought, you know what, I'll learn on the job. Not a keen fisherman, but I can, you know, probably catch a fish if I needed to. Much harder than it looks, by the way, <laughs> when you have no gear. But I really was more about looking at moves that people had made that had benefited their games, like the, the social and the strategic aspect of Survivor. And I just thought, you know, the physical component and the survival component will, will sort itself out when I'm out there. I would say to Audrey, if I ever do this, I'm just, you'll find me downstairs on the chin-up bar just doing dead hangs, just for yeah. hours yeah. and hours. Because yeah. if I make it to the end, I'm going to need to be able to do some grip strength. Well, that's, all... that's what I thought it took as well. But then what you find is that after maybe two weeks with such extreme weight loss that any of that prep <laughs> you've done, like, yeah, it's going to help, but it kind of goes out the window because you're just physically so exhausted. Right. And I don't think anything can prepare you for that other than... You go from being in like, you know, shall we say like a bulking phase where you're able to get 3,000 calories a day in to 1,000 calories, 1,600. There were some days where it wouldn't have even been 1,000. Right. I think there was a couple of days where we actually had overestimated our our food ration for the day before and and just killed the rice so we didn't eat for like a full day, like 24 hours. That goes down to the social game because then you get, well, here's an opportunity. What can I do with this? Yeah, yeah. But it's just intense. It's What's like extreme p- intermittent fasting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mate, write a PDF, send it, <laughs> sell it out. Yeah. David's EI uh, <laughs> protocol. Beans, rice, intermittent fasting and yeah. Yeah, sell it. If you sign up to my web seminar for 400 bucks, I can take you through it. <laughs> yeah, Mate, I'm telling you, it's a gold mine. Extreme weight loss challenge. It's, it's a survivor style. Um, when you did get in there, what about the psychology of it 
was the thing that surprised you the most? See, that that was what I really found fascinating is the psychology uh, aspect of it. And I, um, I've spoken a little bit about this before, but I have a friend of mine that's a mentalist in Brooklyn and he had kind of introduced me to the uh, concept of NLP. Can you just explain that acronym? Neural Linguistic Programming. And the thing, the ways he kind of had used that to be able to manipulate his audience when he's doing like little, you know, mind games and tricks. And I thought, man, that would be handy to have as a survivor tool. So I started reading some books just around, you know, the NLP books, some of those beginner books. And um, I found it fascinating and, and trying to actually use those tricks and seeing if they worked uh, on the show. And one of the key uh, elements they talked about a little bit was like anchoring. So if you're having a, a happy experience or we're having a laugh and I'm touching you on the same spot of your elbow every time we're having a good time and laughing, when maybe I want you to do something, I touch you in the same spot on your elbow to try and convince you that this is great, this is fun, we're having a good time. And um, I was cognizantly trying to use that stuff. Um, I think one of the things I like doing at the tribal councils, which uh, later on Janine and Abby were laughing about, is I, I, I had a hand on their lower back anytime a vote was going our way. So as the votes were being read and we're getting votes, I put a, a hand on both their lower backs and be, you know, just give it a little like rub there and just be like, this is great, this is great. And we're all like sharing this great moment. Um, and then when I got blindsided, I immediately removed my hands from their back straight, straight away in that thing and they've recounted that, realising like, wait a minute, he's not touching my back anymore, like not happy times anymore. But all these kind of like little tricks and, and psychological things just were fascinating to me. And so trying those things out in the game and seeing how they worked and, you know, using blocking techniques when it came to uh, getting into that popcorn challenge first and, and things I'd learned. What's right, a blocking so. technique? Blocking people's pathways and, and roads. If there's somewhere that someone wants to go and you're trying to stop them or you're trying to be the person that gets led in to put yourself in the path of like least resistance. So I was trying to make sure I stood as close to the advantage as I possibly could, zeroed in on John when he was talking about stuff, like started to, you know, relate to him, like my kids, my kids are John. But at the same time, I'm blocking their pathway to get into the popcorn challenge. And so as that is starting to happen and subconsciously people are kind of looking at the way we're situated and I'm the closest person to that in the pathway, you're hoping those, you know, little brain pathways are firing and they're like, yeah, Dave should go first into that challenge, which I didn't think was going to work, but it happened to kind of... Yeah, go my way on that one. See, if I ever did this show, that's exactly the kind of stuff that yeah. I would need to... Because I, when I first watched Survivor, I was so confronted by the lying. I was so it's troubled heavy. in my heart by yeah. the double-crossing. Yeah. I couldn't bear it. And then I thought, nah, fuck it, this is awesome. Yeah, eventually you embrace it. Yeah. You embrace it. When you get back into the outside world, does it make you look at people differently? Oh, yeah, big time. Um, I think you I, – I evaluated a lot of friendships. Oh, really? Had. Well, I think what happens is you become so close to these this group of people that you've only known for a short time. There's no secrets because you're on top of each other. You talk about literally everything, and I mean everything. And you just start realising that, like, here's this person that knows me better than some of my friends I've had for, like, 30 years. Um, and it definitely reevaluates how you look at people valuing you and what they think, you know, they can get out of you or what they're using you for. And it just, yeah, I kind of, I, I felt like there was a few friendships. I was like, you know what, I don't, I don't really want to be a part of this anymore. And I reevaluated a few things, you know. But isn't that the case with any human relationship and that there is ultimately a transaction going on? No matter who you're in a relationship with, 
there's a transaction, that transaction may be equal. There is love and support each way. That transaction may be in a business way. It's like, I do this particular job, makes you, my boss, look good. You pay me money and I'm okay with that. I feel you might, maybe I should get a better car space, but I'm okay with the deficit in this transaction. Ultimately, I'm okay to bear that. You know, there is a, there's a transaction in any relationship. Most definitely. So then when you reassess, did you go, well, actually, no, when I look about who's winning here, you're like, yeah, I need a higher salary on this one. <laughs> just to, <laughs> I'm not getting paid enough for this relationship. Yeah, I, I think there was just a lot of re-evaluation. Um, it, man, it's such an intense experience. It's hard not to come out of that and start re-evaluating the way you look at the world and even in terms of like wastage and what we use. And I've definitely become a bit more minimalist in, in the way I look, look at consuming and, and trying to do that stuff after the show. But just personal relationships, like you really start to value those relationships that you've had on the show because there is pure... Like, even though we're lying to each other in regards to who we're voting off and all that kind of stuff, and you are manipulating people by giving them that level of honesty and, and having that, but being able to talk to someone about literally everything is a pretty rare experience in life. And I think those relationships where you find and you're like, man, this person really knows my deep, dark stuff. It's You start to really cherish those relationships ahead of those ones where you're just kind of like, oh, hey, um, yeah, you've been watching Survivor this weekend you know like the, the, the surface stuff starts to melt away and now I've been out of game for long enough so that I do love those surface relationships again but there was a yearning for that kind of like deep connection when you first get out of games where you're like why can't I talk to this person about the poop I just took in the sand it's not appropriate that's why but uh, there was a bond and a closeness that was really interesting about being on the on the island Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Watching the show makes me look at the way people in power manoeuvre a lot differently. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. for sure. Are you watching Succession? Oh, look, we just started. Oh, incredible. Because we, we finished The Deuce, yeah. uh, the David Simon thing that he did yeah. after The Wire about Times Square in the 70s and 80s. Yeah, great. Yeah, it's yeah. freaking amazing. Yeah. Um, but we just started on Succession. It's going to take a bit to get Audrey into it. Yeah. I'm in. It's heavy. But it's like the, those kind of dynamics and like manipulating people. Why are you manipulating people? Like those kind of things. It all is just so heavily related to Survivor. And I love that show. I'm not sure if that's why, but yeah. incredible television. I think part of it's also just just educating general people. Like mm. just keep your eyes open because this stuff's happening every day. Oh, it's happening. All yeah. around you, to you. I mean, yeah. perfect case in point. There's a friend of mine who's trying to – she bought a, a shitty used car from a shitty used car salesman. Yeah. And <laughs> she's had to take it back to them like 12 times or whatever. Yeah. And she's like, fuck, you guys should – 
buy it back, but because she is who she is and she's a, you know, her personality type and these are, you know, you car salesmen. Yeah, totally, as they do. The relationship is so skewed, she's kind of stuck. Yeah. And that sucks. And that's the dynamic that you find. I think actually Sean might have referred to me as a greasy used car salesman or slimy used car salesman at some point. But that, that is those, those, those dynamics and we live that, you know? Yeah. Um, it's just that we're kind of conditioned to be like, oh, that's just what it is, yeah. you know? And she's probably too polite to be like, hey, assholes, buy this car back. Like, yeah. it's like, oh, okay, I guess they'll fix it. And, I mean, yeah, it's kind of eye-opening, I think. Once you kind of unpack it a bit and, and have a have a second look at, at relationships around you, mm. maybe right now we're just destroying families. I hope not. Fingers <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> <Lucas> crossed. <laughs> When you were going in, what did you tell your kids about it? Like, oh, dad's just not going to be, there's going to be no FaceTimes for a while? Yeah. Um, so we, you know, the NDAs and et cetera are pretty tight and my kids are at an age where, you know, they probably didn't need all the information. I, I didn't really tell them I was going on Survivor. I just told them it was like a work thing. And I travel a lot for work, you know, and my, my boys live in Australia already and then my daughter's in New York. So uh, they're used to me being away and traveling and all that kind of stuff. So we just were like, yeah, we're not going to be contactable for a bit and that's how it's going to be and and I think that was one thing I wasn't ready for because I travel a lot like I said I'm like oh I'll be fine and then like five days in not getting to see their faces or hear their voices and you're like ah this is not fine and that becomes another mental battle that you're dealing with out there so uh, it was tough and then the second time around them especially like with my daughter she was upset I was going back uh, for a second round. Um, she's eight now, so she's at that stage. She's actually in like a dad stage and I have to be like, I'm just going to uh, disappear. But um, she was watching Champions Contenders coming out as I was like leaving. So there was that element of excitement of like, oh, yeah, you get to do that again. And she loves the show. But it was tough, man. It was really, really tough. We've got a 16-year-old and a five-month-old yeah. at our, at that's our a, place. That's a pretty big differential. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's where, you know, I'm playing both ends of the marathon. Yeah, you know? I see that. Jeez. <laughs> She's probably as tall as you. Yeah. Uh, you're quite a bit taller than me. She's taller than me. Yeah. Stunning and yeah. just powerful. Oh. Powerful, powerful. And, you know, it's what you want to raise a, a powerful kid, particularly a young woman that yeah, is, has – I mean, I don't feel that she's got any more – than I was told I could have when I was a 15-year-old boy, yeah, 16-year-old boy. But when I was that age, there was no way that the, the, the women in my life, the girls in my life were expecting the, that of the world, you know. Right, If right. you know what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah, the, totally. in the 80s, right? Totally, yeah. But no, she's like, oh, no, fuck, of course I can go and do this because I see all the guys doing that. I'm doing this. this yeah. I'm, boom, let's go. And as a parent of a teenager, as you know, it's the same thing with little kids who like when they're learning to walk or whatever you like okay, I want you to go and do this thing, but I'm just going to put my hands around the sharp edges yeah. just in case you yeah, kind of go yeah, that yeah, way. Yeah, totally. All right? Same with this. It's just we're just trying to get between her and the sharp edges. Yeah. But you've got to be prepared to stand in the face of that. Man, yeah. Why can't I do this? Yeah, yeah. And I can see some parents don't do that for their teenagers. Yeah. And I get why. <laughs> it's hard. The struggle is real. They are tireless. Yeah. And um, All that energy. All that, but I'm gonna go and do this thing yeah, yeah. at night with my friends oh, in this particular place. I'm not looking forward to that. <laughs> What's the other option, David? Well, that's it. There is no other option. Have you seen the movie Kids? Like, <laughs> <laughs> get, get around those sharp edges, bro. Yeah, man. Like, <laughs> this is it. This yeah. is it. You're the, you're the bumper bowl. Yeah. You, you've got to get there. Yeah. Because 
we all know how it ends if the parent of the teenager just goes, ah, fuck it, off you go. Ah, oh, she yeah. comes back when she wants. We all know how that story show well, plays that's out. Str- that's the struggle of parenting, I suppose, right? Is hoping that you put the work in place so that it doesn't go too far off the rails. But yeah. it's like they're good. But you still got to just, just be there to kind of, yeah. Yeah, the, the best advice I was given by uh, a guy that kind of mentored me when I, when I got divorced is like, yeah, they're going to ignore you. <laughs> But your job is to be there for them to ignore. Yeah, totally. When they're ready. Well, see, I'm still in that sweet spot because my son, my son is 12. He's a, and and like I'm just starting to see that he's having some changes. It was my um, niece's birthday just before I came out here, and we went there. It's like a bunch of eight-year-old girls, you know. And he's like sitting on the sideline. Like, Are you okay, you okay, buddy? It's like, yeah, you know, I am 12 now, Dad. It's, uh, Don't understand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> As he hits a vape pen. And yeah. <laughs> Not the vape. <laughs> Popcorn lung is real. Um, yeah, so it's just it's interesting seeing those changes, but I think I was probably a bit of a terror in my teens as well, so I'm not sure if there's... Where were your teenage years? Well, in Perth, in Perth. Yeah? But, yeah, I was just a bit rough on my long-suffering mother. Bless her heart. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that is just life, man. You know, you just want for the best for them and you're just hoping that they make the right choices. That's all you can hope for. That's all you can hope for. That's, that's really all you can hope for is, and, and just, you know, we just try and reassure her. She, she does make good choices. And the 16 tall and gorgeous is tough. And it's like there's something in the water in our part of the city. Oh, Because when her and her mates get together, like, I am a... <laughs> it's like Land of the Giants, man. I don't know what the hell's going yeah. on. Are you, are you still cool with, with, oh, that, with that set? Sh- or are no, they just like, they're like, shit. not cool no, at not all? At, not at all. Yeah. Just the annoying guy. See, I'm still kind of cool with my kids. I can see it's changing, but right. I'm still. They're kind of like, yeah, Dad's on Survivor. How no. cool is that? Yeah. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. No, and I, I love that. I yeah. love that. You know that capital that we were speaking of earlier. The visibility of my career kind of gives me a little, and it's not a triple A pass, but it's a. Uh, it, it's it's like a gold class. Yeah, you go. Yeah. You know, when you go to this, the checkout of the supermarket. Oh, hey. Yeah, yeah. Hey, like the, the first five minutes is taken care of. Most you know, and then you're already yeah. kind of in. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's nice. Get, it's kind of instantly a deeper interaction with a, with a stranger. Yeah, it's instantly there. And that capital is nice to get around the world with. But it should, nah, none of it's no, there. Nothing from the... Couldn't oh, care. Couldn't care less. Brutal. Which is, no, nah, it's fine. And I love it. <laughs> you're like, it's good. I love it because it forces, Christ, I've got to get to work. I can't just rely on that thing. I've got to. Go. Yeah, you gotta, yeah, figure out, rely, you can't rely on the six pack anymore. Straight, <laughs> straight to the. I had a six pack. I had it for oh, a Oh, I've ba- seen the cover. For about a Don't month. Don't you worry, I saw the that cover. That was Beans and Rice, David. There you go. That was Beans. First that. vegan on that magazine cover. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Chickpeas, man. They're good for what ails you. They really, really are, and yeah. they're super cheap. I don't know how much money you spend on meat, but it's way too much. The same amount of protein, the same amount of amino acids for about a twentieth of now, the am cost. I get, am I getting the pitch? No, I'm just telling you. You get yourself a pressure I want cooker. the pitch. I want the vegan pitch. No, I mean, I, dude, I, I definitely, um, I, I think it's, I think it's amazing that people, because right. I, I just feel it's dedication. It's no more than when your kids were little, when you wanted to leave the house. And he went, okay, we can't buy any food for them, so we've got to take food with us. Mm. That's at the extreme, that's what it's like to travel. Say if yeah, you're in a country, yeah, yeah. particularly now, I'm, I've discovered I'm celiac about two years ago. At the extreme is like, okay, well, this is the food I'm going to eat out today in case mm. we can't find any. Yeah. But that's really it. Everything, it's so easy. 
Yeah. It's, it's, it's no well, much how, more. How is Australia restaurant-wise with the vegan? Oh, it's amazing. I mean, I'm Dude, it's seeing amazing now. Impossible Burgers and, and... It's amazing now. I've yeah. been in plant-based since about... I stopped... About 99. I stopped eating eggs in 2002. So, long time. See, that was good. That's good. So, I mean, not to dig into something completely, but my wife has lupus. So, she's been eating a very, like, we've done paleo diets. I, I'm right. trying to remember the name. She's on a diet right now where she's just so strict with her eating. I think it's AEP or something like that. She's been pretty sick, actually, recently. So, right. we're obviously very food conscious about yeah. what's going into our bodies. And um, one of the things she's had to take out is eggs. And for, that's brutal because I live. On eggs. It's okay. Yeah. Think of it like the Lego spaceship that you used to get when you were a kid, right? Okay, I like this analogy. You can build that Lego spaceship out of whatever blocks, whatever color blocks you want. Yeah. And it's going to be the shape of a spaceship. Well, the human body is incredibly right? adaptable, isn't it? Precisely. Yeah. So as long as you make sure that you get the right, like we're going to need a wing. So we need the wing piece. All right then, but this one's made of beans. Uh, vegan wing though. Well, this yeah. one's made of beans, yeah. right? Oh, that's fair. So <laughs> as long as you're getting the same building blocks, and you talked about packaging before. Yeah. I guess when you eat a plant-based diet, you get the same building blocks just without the packaging, which includes that, you know, the cholesterols and the animal fats and the, mm. the other weird stuff that comes with it that has been scientifically proven to have detrimental effects, particularly... As you approach your 40s, David. Oh, no. Right around the corner. <laughs> soon. So soon. Mate, it's a slippery slope. Okay. I'm sold. Sold. <laughs> no, man, just try it. Do your thing. Do it for, you know, but make sure you do it I right. mean, I have tried it. I've been vegan, you know. Yeah. I didn't eat much fish this yeah, season. Yeah, it's true. No, no, but you, I think I, yeah. you just do it Do it right. And, like, when I did that when I did that mental health thing, I was, like, but I was. You do like, look very healthy. I was going to say, your skin that. is glowing. It's Thank working you. for you. I appreciate that. Yeah. That's the espresso that's happened before I, before I saw you today. Um <laughs> When I did the mental health thing, I was, but I was like on, and I know you know guys that have done this, I was down to the scales, you know, I was down to the yeah, ground. Really and and that can go over the top, and it did for me. Right. I, I started to lose presence with my wife and daughter when we were eating because I was just so focused on these are the <laughs> yeah. 604 calories. Not one extra bite. I get to eat. This is all I have. Yeah. You know, but as long as I was getting that particular amount of protein per day, and particular amount of carbohydrate per day and particular amount of fat per day, I knew that it was going to get me everything I needed. And the results speak for themselves. That's exactly what happened. So what kind of first got you into the vegan diet? Was that how it went down that road or you, was it something you had experienced? We, was it just, oh, I want to try this out and, and ran with it? Or This is in, I stopped eating meat around about 90, 95, 96. Oh, man. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. been a while. Okay. Let's say, for example, we want to make a product. This wallet, yeah. all right? And I tell you, and, and it's a good example because it's made of cotton. So I can make this wallet, but it's going to take, to make a kilo of this, I'm going to need 15,000 litres of clean water, all right? Mm. Or I could make it out of, let's say, for example, hemp, which is not cotton, and it'll take 1,500 litres of water mm. for exactly the same functional product. Why would I consume something that takes so much of such a valuable resource, not to mention the land required, why would I consume something that requires so much of such a valuable resource when I can get exactly the same product with far less impact? And that was it. Once I figured out how much land and water was used in factory farming, I was done. Yeah. For me, the animals have always been secondary. I'm grateful I don't have to kill anything to live, yeah. but it's always been about land and water for me. 
Wow. And one kilo of beef is about 15,000 litres of water, 15,000 litres. Yeah, and yeah. a kilo of plant protein is about 1,500. That's it. And yeah. 10 times less land. No. Like, that's good. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Way and that's where, that's where it's always been for me. That's yeah. always and, – and this is why, like, I'll occasionally do uh, vegan stuff, I'll occasionally, but I'm not an animal rights person per se. I'm, that is a nice after effect, though, I think. I think that's a nice uh, – It's nice that it, yeah. I'm, I'm grateful to have that, but yeah. it's not – that's it's not, not in the my core heart. Focus. In my heart is no. I think people and in air is important, and we need trees yeah. and water. For, <laughs> we definitely yeah. need trees and water, and that's it. <laughs> for me, that's you know that's always been where it is. But there's some people that, particularly in New York City, man, like you've got well, that's good Lord, yeah. you're in like vegan capital of the universe. There. Yeah, there's it's a like, lot of well, LA. Holy like shit! That's where I live. Yeah, yeah. I think in New York, the foodie culture kind of gives way to to health. Have you there. been to Angelica Kitchen? Holy shit! Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I always found LA is just super switched on when it comes it's to more control. like food options and Mate, stuff. I lived, I lived like five blocks from Cafe Gratitude when I was oh, there. Venice. It was the greatest. It's thing. Just, it just makes life so much easier. When Especially you know. look, I don't know how. I don't think you could get much more virtuous than when I was riding my my fixed gear, single speed <laughs> bike through Venice Beach to Cafe Gratitude. Yeah, to go and like have lunch with Rich Roll. I'm like, like skinny jeans. Yeah, like the the most best look, life, living look best at life. Me, everybody, yeah. Yeah. It was such bullshit. But it was great. No, Rich, I love Rich. Um, so you get out of Survivor. Mm. You've done season one. You get back to the real world. You're eating food. My God, I'm eating food. Oh, we're eating food, all right. I'm lifting weights again. Because I can't imagine, if you're someone who goes to the gym all the time and you Mm. would for your job, I know the mental health benefits that I get from training every day. Oh, all the way. To not train, to not have that hormone release of dopamine, norepinephrine, serotonin into your body from doing big squats and deadlifts and Mm. stuff like that a couple of times a week. Suddenly you don't have that. That emotion regulation that comes with off-gassing through a workout. How the hell did you deal with that when you're out on the beach? (laughs) There's just so much going on. There's no time to think about it. Right. You know, and I mean, really, it it is, I think what, what one of the great replacements of like exercise, like we're meant to lift stuff as we human are. beings. We're meant to be out there like and being active and yes. moving and doing stuff um, because when you're out surviving and that's what you're doing all the time. So you're constantly moving and it just becomes this thing of like, do I conserve energy and lay down today because I know I've got a challenge coming or do I get up and have firewood so that I'm not cold and then you go get the firewood. So you are lifting. I mean, obviously um, it's not taking the same place, but um, I, I really think that is why humans are meant to lift weights because as a species, we should be out there doing that every day, but we've kind of gone into this sedentary lifestyle where we're not having to do that because someone else is doing it for us. But um, as human beings, like we should be out there doing stuff. So yeah, Absolutely, and it gives us purpose to our movement gives as us well. Purpose. I won't eat if I don't do yeah. this. And the, but the mental health aspect yeah. of, of exercising is, is just huge. In the survivor world, there is no mental health. Uh, it's just mental, so you don't have to worry <laughs> too much about that. You just figure it out once you get out. Let me just let me just clarify that because I, I I get this question all the time. Yeah. I know for a fact there's psychs. I know for a fact you yes. have support. I know for a fact that you guys are, they get around you if you need it. They, they are very very switched and on, and they take that. it really 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 seriously. Well, you have to because I mean it, it is it's it's an intense mental experience. It know, is, so. and and like any reality reality television, the currency of reality television is someone's authentic human emotional reaction mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and if you don't get around them then you are not following a duty of care mm. when you got the call 
hey, we're looking at going back in. Mm. We'd like you to be part of it to go back in. Were there any second thoughts? Not one. And I'll be quite frank about it. They asked me as I was leaving the game. I got blindsided and was asked pretty much immediately if I would play. So I think this season uh, had been ordered up. They were like, we're going again um, whilst we were filming the first time. And, yeah, I was I was asked. And, and I think I was in a place, a mental space, where I was like, does that mean I can go back in now? Because I want to get back out there. I'm not happy about how this blind side thing happened. But that wasn't the case. I just I, – I didn't hesitate, mate. I was – it wasn't enough. It was like it's, – it's, it's so addictive, the experience of being there and, and playing. And I just, yeah, didn't give it a second thought. The only thing I can think of, the only way I could equate it, is when there was someone I lived with – for a long time and then one day she said I've got myself my own apartment and I'm leaving I'll be gone this weekend and I was like I, I just didn't see it coming yeah. that's the only way I could possibly get close to it what was it like to be blindsided yeah I mean that's actually <laughs> that's actually a very good analogy I might steal that off you um, I think I literally felt this like humming sensation in my body of like whoa, it was just felt so surreal to be like ripped out of that it's like coming out of the matrix you know like the the plug is pulled out of the back of your head and all of a sudden you're you know you're walking down this path and you're still being filmed and being asked questions and you're having real emotions but also trying to process why it happened and my immediate thing is like where did I mess up up, I, cause, and then you start second guessing all the interactions you've had over the last, like, especially the day that it happened. And uh, credit to them, they did a great job of hiding it. But all these little things, you were like, oh, I didn't. How did I not notice that? And I felt like I'd been so attuned to watching everything, and I was like, oh, I'd gotten lazy. But it's just shocking, man. It's like it was just an absolute shock. And so you, I had this physical like humming. I could literally hear like a ringing in my ears as I was walking away like, whoa. And I got to say the first time I played like I know I kind of got close to the money, but it wasn't present. In my, like that wasn't really what I was thinking about. I was just out there like loving the game and everything, doing what I wanted to do and playing big moves and doing all this. And I'm like, this is working. It's going so good. And it wasn't. Yeah, it's it's just a massive shock. Well, you're part you're part of an exclusive club to walk with an idol in your pocket. Oh, no, good company, aren't I? Good company. <laughs> um, but to be honest, man, and the way I kind of thought about the game, and a lot of people are like, why didn't you play the idol? I was going home until I if I hit the seven spot, I felt like I could really have a good shot at winning, and I knew I needed an idol. And as I was mapping things out, obviously. I should have played it at the time. But if I looked at it, I was either going out at 10, which I went out at 9, 8. So I knew I had to have that idol. And I had a plan of what I wanted to do with it. But for me personally, at that point in the game, I was like, if I don't get to 7 with this idol, I'm not winning. And I wanted to win. So I had to roll the dice and uh, unfortunately, snake eyes. I'm sorry that you went out yet. <laughs> uh, as a jury member, your reactions were just the best. <laughs> Best ever. <laughs> uh, thanks, man. I mean, being there and watching it was the best. Yeah. I, I think Champions Contenders was just such a great season and, and people were so switched on and I'm, you know, I'm playing All-Stars. I felt like I got an All-Star experience mm. already, especially getting to play with Luke who was returning and 
uh, Janine and Pierre, like these guys, all of those guys are worthy of All-Stars. I felt like pretty much our, our merge cast could come back and play All-Stars, no questions asked. So to see them operating now from that exterior viewpoint of being on the jury and watching and just being like, oh, wow. And I just wanted to wear like my heart on my sleeve in the jury so that, you know, people could feel that like because of the way I was feeling it. Um, and sure, you could sit there stoic and not react. But, man, when big stuff happens, like... Do you get spot? to see any footage? No. Oh, so you only... Pure... So it's only what happens in front of you at Tribal. Just what happens in front of you at Tribal. Oh. And um, a lot of my time, especially when I first came out, um, I think Sean was in there and I got to decompress with him a lot, which was amazing. I'm not sure how he laughed. Is it like the hug that MMA fighters have afterwards? Like... <laughs> Thank you. This I've yeah. got my face beaten in, but yeah. I'm glad it was you. I mean, he he is genuinely such a nice guy. So it is very easy to connect with him on that level because we're quite adversarial. Um, we were at war. Yeah, it was <laughs> we were, but we were trying to fix it. You know, like they didn't show, but Sean and I talked a lot. Where we were, we had good self awareness, and I, you know, we'd have these conversations where I'd be like, "Is going to be you or me?" And he'd be like, "I know." I know. And I'd be like, what are we going to do about that? And he's okay. like, I don't know. So yeah. there was this constant thing. And, and, and I, I didn't personally dislike him. I actually really liked the guy. It's just yeah. that we had landed on the opposite sides of the coin for that one. Yeah. So then being able to get into jury and have that lighthearted fun and be able to just decompress and really hear what his game was, was amazing. It was so cathartic because you, say if we were both playing, right, and we were like, okay, I'm going to go get this uh, cup of coffee down at the coffee shop and this is how I'm going to go about doing it. You would have your own story of how we went to get that coffee and I've got my own story. And when I'm retelling it, it's going to sound different to how you retell it, but to hear your side of how it happened, it suddenly starts to clue you in on like, oh, this is really interesting. And Sean strategically has a brilliant mind for Survivor. He just kind of landed on... Uh, tribe where <laughs> some of the people weren't listening to what he had to say, but he could have gone really, really deep with the right, right people. What was it? What was it like? Like in, in 38 seasons, no one ever did what Luke did mm. with that blind sight. Mm. What was it like watching it go down? Um, this is the uh, Abby one you're talking about. Yeah. Holy um, shit. It was man. Like Luke, an in trouble flip. It was extraordinary. Yeah. He, he is the greatest Australian Survivor player, Luke. He's just so affable, but his mind for the game and how it works and, and knowing what he needed to do to impress the jury and just the way he thinks about stuff, it, it was a masterclass. And that's why it was so brilliant to watch because there's just – I think there's, there's people who have mind for the game and they can think like, oh, I would do this and I would do that. To actually get there and to follow through and do it when it counts – Man, he's got some big old balls on him because, <laughs> like, you do want to shrink. Like, you do want to shrink back and be like, oh, I shouldn't do that. And it's actually doing it. And Lukey's got the nuts to do it, you know? And so to watch that, it's just, it was just beautiful poetry. To whisper two things in two people's ears and one completely different thing in another person's yeah. ears, make them all believe you told them the same thing. Yeah. You're exactly right. Like, I would never have the balls to do that right in front of other people like that. Yeah. And well, but that's that's the that's the beauty of Luke, you know. And like he'll he'll tell you some stories and stuff, and you're like, wow, that's crazy, man. But makes you love him even more. Yeah. You know, he's just got this very um, affable nature. Have you met him? Not yet, dude. He's just he's he's, he's got a magnetism about him. Um, he's, I, it's really hard to explain. But if anyone was going to pull it off, it was going to be Luke. I, I get to see him. By the time 
this airs, I will have spoken to him yesterday. Ah. Yeah. So Interesting timeline. Yeah, well, you'll get along great with him. I'm looking team. forward to it. So you, you get out of there and, like, Amelia or Pete goes, mate, we want you back. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, okay, I'm in the bed. You're like, before you even speak. Yeah, 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 yeah. You get a couple of months in between shots. How do you prep? What does the last couple of weeks look like before you go back to Sabu Sabu? Uh, so for me, the, the issue was going to be the, the physical side of things. But fortunately, my wife is a nutritionist, personal trainer. And uh, I called her immediately once I kind of I was like, they asked me back. I said, yes. She was like, oh, we need to put some weight on you. So you didn't talk to her before you said yes? Nah, she, she's insanely supportive. Like it, it, it wouldn't have even been a question. Okay. I knew I didn't have to ask. I knew I didn't have to ask. She, All right. she was 100%. And down. she said, we're, just, we're going to have to get some she's weight like, on we got to get weight on you yeah. um, and that just kind of became the focus of and immensely it helped me too like we were talking about lifting and, and exercise and getting yeah. back into that headspace so it was a good way to kind of like get me out of the game mentally and, and then just like you know to get me back working out and, and get those good endorphins and stuff going and I just ate like a savage man and, and got on this lifting program she put me on and I went back into the game about three keys heavier than last time not all of it muscle because uh, I mean my, we're talking about diet like I've been on a diet for 17 years my entire modeling career I've been restricting calories so to just be completely unleashed on the buffet is a beautiful thing um, and I, I really just was trying to put on as much weight as possible because for me the not eating was the hardest part of the thing you know I really suffered with the yeah <laughs> the low cal but certainly if you've got that much lean muscle on board that three kilos well, probably lasts you about a week and the first time <laughs> I, I went in I was like I gotta be jacked I need to put some muscle on so I was trying to put on some size but not fat we don't want to look good on television Mm-hmm. Right? Keep the rig looking good. And I, I focus too much on the muscle mass. And then burning muscle, you just die. You just like muscle kills you. So you need to have some fat on for the game so you can, you know, have some energy towards the, the latter stages. But one, one thing I will say about playing uh, All-Stars is how quickly I dropped weight this time. So it was a gradual decline for me last time. I think the first time I, I lost like 11 keys, wow. 11.5 or something. Holy like shit. But I didn't really notice it until I came out and was like, whoa. Whereas this time in about like a week, I was like, I'm very skinny now. <laughs> I just like shed. So it was all, you know, it was, it, I just didn't have enough time to, pre- to prepare six week turnaround. But the good thing was my mind was in the right space because mm. I never left the game. I just, all I thought about was Survivor. Right, Survivor, right. Survivor. How I would do things differently? How I'm going to do it differently when I play again? And yeah. Yeah. It's a small industry television. So I know yes. people that work on the, on the show. Mm-hmm. And um, they talked about as the tribes are approaching a, a challenge, uh, they can smell them before they see them. <laughs> well, okay. That is purely because of the, the the physical challenges. That's when people get stinky. But for the, I, I I wasn't noticing body odor, and I'm not sure if it's like the clean diet, not eating sugar, and all that kind of stuff. But it really wasn't that bad, except for after the challenges. After the challenges, it was gnarly. But then, like people get in the ocean, they have a rinse. No one's using soap, you know. And uh, to be honest, I thought it was going to be way worse than it was. Because I'm, like, obsessively clean, like a little too much, you know. <laughs> Those dudes that I'm like, I smell an odour, I'm like, that, that's not me, is it? <laughs> better go have a shower. <laughs> but, yeah, it actually wasn't that bad. Luke's socks, Luke's feet were bad. Now that I'm thinking on it, that was bad. Lukey had bad foot odour. <laughs> yeah, that was gnarly. And he would do this thing where we'd be, like, laying in the shelter and he kind of likes to jump around a little bit to where he's sleeping, whereas I like to kind of stay rooted to one spot. And... Uh, a couple of times he would come in backwards so his feet would be where my face was. And, yeah, 30-something days of the same socks does not do a body good. 
So how many clothes do you get to take with you? You get your day one outfit, um, which I thought through a lot, obviously, leather jacket and all, and then you get five items. Uh, so I'd gone in with my kind of like motorcycle gear. That's what I was like. They're like, what are you thinking about taking in? And I'm like, well, wear, they said, uh, wear what you would wear to a brunch. And I'm like, well, I'm kind of a motorcycle guy. I'd wear my motorcycle uh, gear. And they were like, okay. I thought, brilliant, because I hate being cold, bro. And the leathers, everyone made fun of the leather jacket. Best thing to take on the island. The best. It was like my favourite thing. It was like a sleeping mat, kept me warm. The girls came in for snuggles when they got cold. (laughs) It was just brilliant. So no regrets about that. You'll see that back again for this season. But there was kind of like a running joke about how much stuff I had because I'd got, you know, I had my leathers, my T-shirt, my long pants, my boots. And then you obviously get the shorts. Sarong is a brilliant item when you play. Make sure you take a sarong. And then my hat, you know. Kind of wanted to, oh, and those big hammer pants. I love those. If someone's never really watched Survivor or they're like, I might, I'll, give, I'll give this one a chance. Yeah. What are some things to watch for that can kind of make it interesting? What kind of things do you want to watch for between people? Not, don't give me any details, but like what are the things you watch for in a show like Survivor that people might not have thought to look for? I look at the body language. I always think is really interesting when you're watching Survivor, the way people are sitting down having conversations, who's sitting next to who. This comes down to that psychological game, you know, it's like the way you can manipulate people, not just mentally, it's a lot of it is physical. People being comfortable enough to sit close to each other because if you're not vibing or getting along well with someone, it takes a lot to be like, you know what, I'm going to sit close to this person, we're going to have a chat, maybe I'll put a hand on their shoulder. So I love watching the show and just kind of, reading into conversations. It'll show a lot of conversations, the way people maybe have their arms crossed. Are they invested in what's being said? Are they leaning forward? It's just those little, I love reading those small nuances, especially with Survivor, because I find those dynamics like fascinating in, in the real world. And then seeing them magnified in Survivor, I'm like, oh, he doesn't, they are not working together. That's a lie. Like trying to root out if people are lying. I love that. So that, that's actually really good, a really good thing to look for, like to, yeah, I don't know, watch it on mute. You know, just see how yeah. people... And, and it will, like, I mean, I think you can, that can translate. If you can start reading people's conversations, because you are putting something forward on the show. Like, if I want to communicate something to you that's, like, true or a lie, like, I'm putting that forward and being able to distinguish between those things can help you in your real life. You know, get used to reading people's body language. I think a lot of people, uh, you know, if you struggle with, like... Oh, I'm not I'm relating to people. I'm putting this like self-awareness, looking at those things is great. Uh, when uh, we finished shooting Bachelor in Paradise two seasons ago, my wife and I we went off to a, a little island in Fiji called Tokoriki, which is amazing, mm. and we were diving all the time. And one of the boat boys, the one of the guys that was driving the boat, they said, "I." Oh, Boat boy is that the official term? <laughs> well, they call them they call them boat boys. It's, boat boy. It's not as it's not as weird as you think. That's it's you know, it's it's one of those kind of. It's, it's not pigeon, but it's one of those, you know, Fiji English. No, that's fine, man. I don't it's, it's a boat oh, boy. That's who he is. He's a boy boat on the boat. Boy. Boat boy. It's not quite like that. No, I didn't have not, a pith okay. helmet on. Oh, good. Okay. Um, <laughs> so one of the guys that was driving the boat, they go, oh, yeah, see that island right there? That's where they shoot American Survivor. I was like, oh, yeah. cool. That's super cool. And he said, yeah, actually, just last week, we had two Americans out here. And he told me the whole story about how these, because they shoot in the States, I think they shoot back to back. Yeah. Because they have the whole crew down there and it's a massive production down there. Yeah. And these two people who knew they were going on like in four or five months from now, flew themselves down and then 
paid some guys from the village in one of the other little islands because that village owns the other island that they shoot on. Yeah. Paid some guys from that island to take two weeks with them and show them this is the fish you can eat. This is how to catch it. This yeah. is how to start a fire. This is what burns. This is how to, you know, weave with this pump. Like show oh, yeah. them everything. There's a million bucks at stake. Yeah, it's you know? serious. And it's so serious they, they prepped hard for that. Yeah. Uh, but they went down there on their, on their own dime because they thought, well, you know, if we're going to go, we're, you know, one from Iowa. I mean, man, you got a one in 24 chance. Yeah, if you haven't had that experience, why not give yourself as much prep as you can? I, I would say, though, they would quickly realize it's not as important as they so realized. what is, David, what is your, like, I've got my survivor application in. Mm. Um, they've given me the green light. What is your list of like, just make sure you've got these things dialed in? Uh, learn about people, man, and how they interact and get some real feedback from your friends. I think I uh, was reading something on Nick was talking about something uh, where he had, I think it was Nick sat down and, and had a, oh, his family be like, tell me everything you don't like about me and be brutally honest. Because those, being able to mask like little annoying traits. Um, like masking is, your tells, knowing your masking tells. Masking your tells. Like work on self-awareness. Like self-awareness is huge. Not, not a lot of people have that. Like I think it's a pretty interesting tool to be able to develop self-awareness and know how people look at you, how you're perceived by other people. And I think um, I've been pretty fortunate. I'm in a business where self-awareness is very important because I need to know how people are thinking of me or looking at me. And having that as a skill going into the game is super, super important. The other stuff will work itself out. Like learn how to make a fire, that's important. Because if you go to a fire challenge, you don't know how to make a fire, that's shameful. Like sort that out. But the, the other stuff will, will, will come into play. Like work on those, you know, social interactions. See if you can figure out when people are lying. Like what are people's tells? Go play some poker. Huh? I think one of the, the other things I'd like to ask you about, because it, it kind of happened to you. Mm. What do you have to say about the fine balance between leadership, direction, and then dominance <laughs> and then what that shows to other people. There's a time for it. There's, a, there's definitely a time and a place for it. I think I got the, the full experience of the game. Um, and when you're on top, like, enjoy being on top, you know? A lot of people say, oh, that's cocky. But you have to have a certain amount of self-confidence, otherwise you're second-guessing every move. And even when I was, like, out there being like, yes, being cocky about it, like, I'm killing it, I'm killing the game right now, I was second-guessing myself a lot. You've got this little voice in the back of your head He's like, no, you're not. Like, that, don't do that, don't do that. But, yeah, man, I mean, you got just enjoy it. Because if it was me and yeah. everyone went, like, no, that's a great idea, Gee, we should all do that, I'm like, fuck, I'm the leader. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> like that would be my first thought. It's like they're letting me think that I'm making the calls here and I'm the lamb to the slaughter. Well, this is the interesting part of the game, right, is that you know you have to have something to talk about to the jury at the end. And if you've got nothing to talk about, do, do you deserve to have won? So you're trying to accrue moves, trying to show, and this maybe was a mistake I had in my game, but um, I probably like would talk about stuff I'd done too much just for lack of having stuff to talk about. But I loved talking to Janine and Abby and like those guys, like they did the same thing. Like we'd be like, oh my gosh, I've told uh, Daisy this and that and that. And that, that, then that becomes a problem because now they know you've done that move and you kind of mm. need to keep your cards close to your chest, but you also want people going into that jury who know you've done something. Mm. And I think the Australian game now is evolving to a point where 
the game lends itself well to the goats, to the people that do get dragged through just because if you're not being offensive, not making moves, you know, you, you can kind of get an easier way to get through the game, but we're evolving fast, man. Like the gameplay now in Australian Survivor is coming thick and fast and you'll see in All-Stars this year the gameplay is insane and you see where American Survivor is for the Survivor fans who watch the American show it's like it's almost too much gameplay it's like just calamity well yeah there's a bit of that you know? the, we'll talk about that another time uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah I, I, I certainly find that really really fascinating that's the other part of the format that I find super super interesting and what an extraordinary tale into what it is to be genuinely human yeah. in that we want leadership we want someone to tell us what to do mm. to a point to a point yeah um, and then also there's people that play by putting like other people in leadership so that then that, that leader becomes a target. So that's a strategy as well. Yeah. Like, I remember coming day one onto the beach and like being like, I am forcing ET into leadership here. And, and he, he is a natural born leader. You know what I mean? But I could even see he wanted to shy away from it mm. a little bit at the start until basically, you know, he had to be like telling us what, because like, what, what, what do we do with this rope ET? He probably got, he was probably like, I don't know, man, like do something with it. But like you just want to put people in in a leadership role and either to make him a target or to tell him what to do. And I, I remember uh, a couple of our first conversations on the beach where nobody wants to throw that first name out. You, you haven't played before. You're like, is this going to damage my game if I say someone's name? Are they going to come back to, to yeah. get me? Uh, and that wasn't the, the case on All Stars because people were throwing names out left, right, I'll and bet. centre. I guess the last thing, like I said, I, I do know some people that work on the show, but I will ask you because I would have seen you, you would have seen him do it. Yeah. How many push-ups does JLP do before he goes on camera? It is endless with him. It's basically we'll be shooting and they bring us in and we sit and wait and JLP probably knocks out like 80 push-ups just before every every film. He's got a garden hose for a bicep vein. Yeah, he's got got pythons for sure. And you look at him like... You literally have just put the rubber bands down. Like, literally. And then they go, three, two, one, go. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> just non-stop push-ups. He's a total bro. Very nice, but, like, you know, he's a bro. He's just all upper body. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh. You don't really see it that much because it's cut off, you know, at the waist with most of the shots. Chicken legs. Oh, no. Yeah. So that's the big <laughs> – if anyone ever talks that's about going on Bachelor – I say, uh, never, ever, ever skip leg day. I'm getting some payback here because he's been saying I have a giant head, which is true. But uh, chicken legs, JLP. Chicken legs. <laughs> because, like, in the first first two <laughs> the first two episodes of Bachelor or Bachelorette, you are going to be in swimming trunks in a yeah. head shot walking along a beach. All right? Yeah. Doesn't matter what. Like, you better have got your calf muscles sorted. they got to be on it. No, he is a very well-rounded human being. He's he a really specimen. Is. He's, he? I, uh, when I saw him at the Logies this year, I did that thing that, because I'm such a fuckhead, when I shook, <laughs> I shook his hand, I was a little like your NLP thing and I'm going to do it to you. Yeah. I was like, hey, Jonathan, how you going, man? You good? <laughs> like just really creepily touching his bicep, yeah. hand went up to the deltoid. I'm, I'm feeling him <laughs> under this beautiful velvet suit going, holy fuck, you've been doing nothing but raise. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you're just like holding up a car all morning? <laughs> good God, man. <laughs> He's carved out of stone. He really that is. He's made out of anchor rope. Yeah. But like, what, what else is he going to do? Like, you don't see him for two days at a time. What else is he going to do? Yeah. It's just, just push-ups. It's just push-ups. That's it. Heaps of push-ups. Yeah, he's a monster. Um, you're the best. Good luck with it. It's going to be brother. great. I can't wait. Yeah. Um, I hope I haven't bored you or, or fans too much. Not at all. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No worries, man. Thanks, Steve. 
That was David Janay. Thank you so much uh, to Peter Hayes at 10 who helped me get that episode up. You can find David on Instagram, D-A-V-I-D-G-E-N-A-T. Big thanks to Andy Ma, my audio producer, Rachel Barrett, my show producer, Hayley Van Spania, who did all the socials this week, Mike Mills for the music, and again, Peter Hayes for making sure that uh, interview could happen. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, there's a longer version. Um, if you've just listened to the longer version, you're ace. Each week I'll try to put out a short version and a long version. The uh, clean the kitchen mix or the cleaning the house mix. It's up to you. I'll see you Wednesday for Dad Pod. I'll see you back here on Friday. And I'll see you on um, Q&A tonight. Until your next time, sleep well and dream of beautiful things. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.